Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this week's pod, we are handicapping the late pick five at Woodbine on Woodbine Mile Day, September 19th, 2020. This is show number 83, September 18th, 2020. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing great. Um, Been a little bit smoky out here in the west but uh, today is actually the least smoky day we've had in a while so maybe things are turning in the right direction far, as far as the fires go out here are there fires in washington i know they're in oregon and california yeah there's lots of fires in washington right now it's uh, just as bad as oregon maybe not as bad as california but uh yeah it's it's kind of been nasty it's sort of the new normal now though Every summer, uh, we get this um, pretty powerful fire season that's much worse than it had been historically. So, unfortunately, I think this will continue until, I don't know, who knows when. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let other people debate that. In the meantime, let's talk a little Sport of Kings. The leader in the September Sport of Kings round one qualifier is Traveler, who I happen to know is many-time NHC qualifier Wayne Kwan. And I'm not sure if he listens to the pod, but I'm sure he'll be happy to hear this. If uh, I know that he he's not worried about maintaining anonymity. There are other known players there, but they may wish to remain anonymous. If you follow a certain guy on Twitter, you will know who Dave Dedonk is. And he's in third with two weeks to go. So if you're in third with two weeks to go, you're in a pretty good position to finish in the top 100 of NHC Tour players. And the top 100 NHC Tour members move on to round two, which is limited to 300 finalists. And of those 300 finalists, the top 30 will receive tour points. And the top two will actually win a trip to Vegas. And the final is a two-day contest covering all 14 Breeders' Cup races. So what's not to like? And we've already had one round, right, where 100 people already have advanced to that contest. Yeah, and I noticed that Brett Wiener um, is one of those people. Now, he's already double qualified, but he's going for the tour points because he's in the hunt for the tour. So there's something for everybody, even if you already have qualified. Yes, and the number of tour points you'll get in that 300-person contest is quite a bit. I mean, that's about as many points as you can get in a contest. There's not too many contests that will have more than 300 participants. So that's definitely lucrative for people who are chasing either the tour championship, which is probably what Brett's doing, but also for people on the tour who are trying to qualify that have not yet qualified, but you can actually get in if you finish in the top 75 on the tour 
um, and have not yet qualified, you get into the NHC, and that's that's definitely another way to go. And a contest like this is a great way to accumulate points for that. As I like to say, there are so many ways to win, and if you are not an NHC tour member, you can still become one and be eligible for the October contest. And there's also some free contests. In fact, I think there's one tomorrow. There's an NHC free contest tomorrow, isn't there? Oh, it's a rookie contest. It's a free rookie contest. So if you're a first-time tour member, sign up today. Tell them Sport of Kings sent you. Use promo code Sport of Kings, no spaces. And um, and enter that contest because it's, it's for first-timers, right? First-time tour members. And that's going to... Uh, give you a better chance to win. It's not going to be like 2,000 players like some of the free contests. Right. It's just with the first-year tour members, and you also are eligible for the NHC contest on Sport of Kings. So that's at least two free contests you get a shot at um, for your uh, tour membership. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Perfect yeah, timing. Just note that you do need to, like if you're doing well in September – on the contests on the Sport of Kings site, and you're like, hey, I'm going to sign up right now because I might win a trip to Vegas. You actually have to be signed up before the beginning of each round one. So so you would only, if you signed up today, you would only be eligible for the October contest. But that one's free. The rookie contest is free. And I don't know, Chris, maybe you know, are there any more free horseplayers.com? I'm not positive but i'm pretty sure there's one more contest uh one more free contest this year i, yeah, I feel like there's one, i feel like there's one more yeah i can probably find out but um i think there's one more still scheduled yeah and there's you know i don't who knows you know you never know when another free contest is going to pop up so uh it, it's worth it it's it's 50 bucks to be in the game now, for people who are not tour members, and I understand some people just don't want to do that, they can still, if they finish in the top 200 of the Sport of Kings September contest, they move on to the horse tourneys final, which has a top prize of $500 in site credit to horse tourneys. Now, that's almost as good as pure cash, because while you can't withdraw the cash right off, you have to use it for like contests there. Anything you win can be withdrawn. And they have a lot of NHC qualifiers, which, you know, like the Friday $75 NHC qualifier, if you win that, you're in, you can play a bunch of those. And that's a great way to uh, possibly win and also rack up tour points. Yeah, I think they're, yeah, they're $50 or I'm not sure. 75 75 yeah. So for $75 a week, you get a shot at, qualifying directly into the NHC, but even if you don't, if you can accumulate four or five good showings in those contests, that's a great way to accumulate points. And that's the other way you could qualify is through the, you know, the tour points method. So uh, those Friday contests are a good deal. And then there's others that are a little more expensive, but there's a better chance you might actually win your way into the NHC. And there's also contests on horse tourneys that uh, give you a chance to maybe qualify for some of these other contests like um, the Keeneland contest coming up here in two or three weeks where you could win your way into the BC, BC or NHC at Keeneland. This, it won't be on site this year. It will be online, but um, there's a lot of, you know, cool contests that you can play on horse journeys. So you could definitely make 
good use of that $500 if you win that. The I don't know what we call that. Is that the consolation or what do we call, we call it? it I call it the horse tourney's final. The horse tourney's final. So, yeah. you know, that one's definitely uh, something to shoot for if you're not a tour member, for sure. Or even if you are a tour member, but you don't finish in the top 100, um, you qualify for that if, if you're in the top 200, right? Even if you're a tour member, so. Right, and um, the second through 10th places also win $50 site credit to horse tourneys. So even if you're not a tour member, you know, it's a way to get your feet wet in, in paid tournaments without risking anything. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. And they have some really inexpensive tournaments where you're trying to win your way into a bigger tournament. So if with that $50, even if you tend to be frugal with your money, you could still get several shots at qualifying for another contest that could get you into the NHC or the BCBC or one of these other contests. Yeah, I've had about $75 in credit with horse tourneys slash horse players. And that has lasted me like two years. And the reason why I have that credit left over is because I was in one of those Friday contests a couple of years ago, and that's how I qualified. And that was the year that I finished sixth in the NHC. So uh, it can be a launching pad. Yeah, you turn that site credit into a pretty good payday and a lot of fun. So many thanks to DRF for providing the free PPs for our contests and also to Horse Tourneys for providing site credit prizes. Uh, that's It's really kind of them to do that for us, and we appreciate it, and, and, and we encourage everybody to give Horse Tourneys a shot if you haven't done it already. So how many weeks did you say are left in the current round? You say there's only a couple of weeks left? There's two more weeks, including this weekend. So, and, and uh, one thing that I forgot to mention is that if, let's say you were in the August contest and you already qualified for the NHC, top 100, you're still eligible for the horse tourneys finals. So you could be on Breeders' Cup weekend, you could be competing in two different contests and it's up to you whether you make the same pick in both contests or not. Um, but it's just another way to continue to win even if you've already qualified, there's still action, right? There's still a, a possible payoff. And that final contest is the, the, the two days of the Breeders' Cup, that's what those contests make up that finals? Yeah, the two-day contest. There'll be two two-day contests. Well, actually, there's going to be three. Because <laughs> so there's going to be the, the NHC finals, Breeders' Cup weekend, all Breeders' Cup races, all 14. Then there'll be the horse tourneys finals, which is also all 14. And that's for um, you know people who finish in the top 200 and weren't NHC Tour players, even though if you are an NHC Tour player and you finished in the top 200, you qualified for that. And then we're also going to have some other free contest just for everybody because everybody wants action on Breeders' Cup Day, and that hasn't been determined yet. But, but either way, there will be three contests running on the site. Let's hope the server can handle it, and uh, that'll all be happening on Breeders' Cup weekend, uh, the, the true celebration of horse racing. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, we've had sort of a compressed stake schedule all through this late summer, now early fall, heading into that time. So there's seems like every weekend is a big weekend of racing somewhere, and uh, it'll all culminate on Breeders' Cup Day. So I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, and now uh, it's time for us to 
start handicapping the Woodbine Late Pick 5, which is races 6 through 10. But to help us do that, we have a returning special guest. She's a partner in the handicapping tool provider Optics EQ. She does the optics notes for Santa Anita, Woodbine, and Indiana Grand, at least currently. And she does the Brisnet Daily Selections for Santa Anita and Woodbine. She's Emily Gullickson. Emily, welcome back to the pod. Hi, uh, just a clarification. Um, well, thank you for having me on. But the daily selections at Brisnet for um, Santa Anita and Indiana Grand currently. Um, oh, okay. But I do do selections at woodbine.com on uh, every race day. Okay, so you make selections, no matter where they are, for Santa Anita, Woodbine, <laughs> and Indiana Grand. Correct, yes. <laughs> That's a lot of handicapping. Do you find that, does it get to be a grind having to handicap and make a, a make a selection for so many races per day? Um, well, I mean, this is my job, right? So it's it's a, you know, it's a little bit different. I've had to kind of make the transition from being like, you know, recreational player doing this part-time to like, this is where I do full-time and kind of taking on that responsibility. So I would say probably just like any job, it kind of gets to a grind at some point, but I'll have that conversation with myself of like, well, if this isn't your job, what would you rather be doing? And I really can't think of anything else. I mean, I love what I do. I, you know, I love handicapping races. It's, it's such a, you know, an art and a science. It just, complements everything I like to do in this world um, creatively. So, um, yeah, I mean, it can be just like anything, but um, no complaints overall. Okay. Well, the last time you were on the show, it was a pretty weak bunch of races at various tracks. But I do remember that you highlighted Royal Act, who gamely ran second to 1,000 words at 16 to 1. And uh, I was pretty impressed by that. And so uh, we're really excited to have you back. Oh, thank you. And I, 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 I was that. Um, oh, that's right. Was that that long ago? Was it was that? January thirty first, which oh, is oh wow, like, yeah. It seems like a, a generation ago. <laughs> I know, because I was just thinking back. I'm like, I I picked thousand words last time. Oh wait, no, that must have been way back. But okay. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was so far back. That was before all this COVID stuff hit. That's how long ago that was. I know. Feels like years. Um, well, yes, I, I really appreciate being back. I think this is a good uh, a good sequence of races. I know we're going to do this um, pick five, which is kind of gets a little bit different when you think about it more as a as a pick five sequence than just doing kind of a, a race to race pick. Yeah, and uh, I I I have one question for you, which I should have asked before I started handicapping. <laughs> uh, but what is the most important thing to know about Woodbine as we handicap? Do you think? Um, you know, that's a, that's a good question. I would say, um, overall Woodbine kind of is a little bit different than, you know, people that just kind of jump in and out of, of circuits because most of the horses that are here, it's, you know, similar to Southern California to where they're in Woodbine, they stay here the entire season. So understanding, you know, understanding those horses, um, understanding their form cycle, the way they handle, you know, very subtle changes can be a big difference. Um, so I would say that's probably the, the biggest difference is to really, you know, understand these circuits, where these horses are in terms of their form cycle, where they fit in in a particular spot. Um, the track itself, I think people uh, maybe give a little bit too much like I don't like synthetics and they just kind of shut themselves off to that. I think that to be at a track plays very fair. Um 
overall and kind of the same thing, you know, with, with both the turf courses, um, I would say if anything, you know, the wind is a factor, but that's like nothing to do with the ground that they're running on. Um, so I would, I would think about it that way. And I think that's where people, um, do find a challenge just kind of jumping in on the big days with Woodbine, um, because they just don't follow the circuit and follow these horses as close. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a, a club up there. And it's even more of a club with the pandemic. Chris, did you have any questions for Emily before we get started? Yeah, I have a given your optics EQ hat. Are there any good optics plot angles with certain surface or distances at Woodbine that have been profitable or useful to you during the course of the meet? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty standard. I mean, the squares kind of outperform the circles generally, um, you know, just having, having the ability to, to finish. Um, but again, I, you know, I wouldn't say more so at Woodbine than I would like any other track. I think it's, it's pretty straightforward um, just in terms of kind of, you know, reading the plot and going from there. Um, I do use like kind of the, the quad percentage um, filter, which is like up on the, the top of um, the optics plot 2020 to just kind of just see, you know, as I'm going through, like which horses have an advantage, disadvantage. Um, and again, maybe just kind of worth upgrading, downgrading um, in a particular race. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into the details, but for those listeners who aren't familiar with optics, plot they they represent each of the horses as either a circle or a square and squares tend to be horses that finish and circles tend to be ones that don't finish as well so what emily's saying is that on at woodbine and probably at most tracks in general those horses that finish especially those that can be forwardly placed tend to to do better than those that are that don't finish or especially if they're they don't finish and they're not forwardly placed did yeah, I sum yeah. it up pretty well? Uh, yeah, no, I think you did. I think you did an excellent, excellent job <laughs> on that. Okay, so yeah. I, I just was curious. I, I know it, I, I tend to try not to get too much into any certain product because not everybody uses them, but the optics plot is really an interesting tool. And I was just, since we had you available, I wanted to ask you that about Woodbine in particular. Thanks. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going to do the late pick five, which is actually not the last five races of the day. It is the races six through 10. There are 12 races on the day. And we're starting with a maiden optional claimer. That's seven furlongs on the synthetic. That's the sixth race. It's a purse of 48,300 for two-year-old fillies. And Emily, why don't you take a stab first? Yeah, so I think um, with, with this race, and if you're thinking about it in the context of... Um, of playing a pick five and just a reminder that the pick five at Woodbine is a 21.7% takeout. Um, but starting off with this race, I, I think you, if you're, you know, again, if you're looking at it from that pick five um, standpoint is starting the process, not necessarily looking for a horse that you think that you like and you love and you think is going to win, but looking at it from the perspective of which horses you can eliminate um, because it's the first leg and this race is just, it's a really wide open um, in the sense that like the, the morning line favorite, um, the number six saved at the wire, 
makes sense. You know, not against this horse ran fine on debut. It was a windy day where they impacted the finish, gets the drop in class here. Again, you know, kind of unexciting, but but logical. Similar for Fiona Bay. Um, seems legit as well, coming out of the maiden race in July. She was a gate scratch on um, September 3rd. And at this very same maiden claiming, um, maiden claiming condition, um, and she was the eight to five favorite that day. So I think both those horses make sense, but again, kind of tough to get like overly excited about them and kind of like sinking all of your, your wagers in there. Cause there's just, there's so many other ways to go in this race. Um, I could upgrade both of the, um, Gonzalez runners, the number eight, who's who in the zoo. Um, and then there's another one, 10 for Dyer, um, kind of coming out of a, a kind of good race, um, positive rider change, making that drop in class and just the second career start, um, and kind of similar for the nine. So, and also don't the number four, I know this is crazy, but again, kind of going back to horses, I would eliminate, um, with the number four, she was also a, a scratch at the gate in that September 3rd race, third choice, um, seven to two at the time of the scratch. So kind of, uh, as I'm mentioning a lot of horses and kind of getting into the weeds on this, the way I would kind of approach it is from the elimination standpoint and any horses that have kind of run at this maiden claiming level and not one, they're not horses that I would want in this spot. So I'm um, kind of skipping the number two slashes red diamond, the number three Kentucky fan um, number five, Martinez gal. And, and even number seven, I know it's, um, coming out of a Gulfstream race, but it's a similar par. She was 19 to one that day. Um, so yeah, those are the horses I would just kind of want to not have on the ticket and then just kind of spread with the others because I just don't really have a strong opinion, um, you know, with the favorites and just would want some coverage if I was playing the sequence. Okay. Well, that's uh non-committal and it's somewhat committal. And I appreciate well, it because, because, because again, if you're looking at it from playing a pick by sequence, it's just different than being like, here's who I let, you know, if I had to make a pick, obviously I, I would, you know, kind of work around those other horses. But if I'm thinking from that perspective, that's the approach I want to take. And I know that's sometimes a little bit counterintuitive and probably not something that you guys do like on the show. Cause you're so like kind of pick oriented, but that would be the approach of playing a ticket is kind of eliminating horses. And then, you know, making it on to maybe some stronger opinions later on the card and more reliable conditions. Well, I actually, I completely agree with you because normally I'm never going to play this race. Uh, I'm only going to play this race in the context of the pick five. And I think Chris is probably not going to play it because it's leading the pick five. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that. And the only reason like we, sometimes we ask for top picks just so that if your top pick comes in, we get to, tout you on on twitter um i don't care I'm about that. like i'm gonna make <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh, but i i'm i'm gonna leave it as you would eliminate the two three five seven and and kind of go deep and yeah. um that's yeah, seems I mean, very it, reasonable to me yeah yeah just you know in the context of that's the way we're you know approaching it from that pick five pick five standpoint um a way that I would at least at least start the process from there if somebody else has you know another opinion or they don't like this horse or that but um that would be just sort of my strategy starting off the sequence yeah and I, I know our listeners really appreciate the the pick five strategy uh, because I get emails tweets and whatnot 
uh, and some personal comments from people who really appreciate it. So, uh, so we appreciate it. Chris, what are your thoughts on the race? Well, in a lot of ways, I'm right on the same page with Emily. I really don't like this race. I would never play it as an individual race, and it may actually prevent me from playing the pick five. I might just play the pick four. The main reason is that the two horses the, that she mentioned, one, Fiona Bay, and six, saved at the wire, they're going to get overbet, but they are the most likely winners probably. So, But I couldn't rely on them. But then after that, I have a hard time eliminating anything. So, you know, it could chalk out if I spread. And if I don't spread, then I could get killed on, you know, putting money on low priced underlays. So I just really don't like this race at all. But I don't want to be, you know, the negative nanny. Um, the I'll, I'll mention a couple of things. I have a hard time leaving out even the ones that have run because they haven't run that much. So they, you know, a turnaround and form for any horse in this race wouldn't shock me. The one horse that Emily was negative about that I'm probably a little higher on is the seven tabernacle because that last race was on the dirt. And, uh, you know, this horse based on its breeding, I think it's probably more of a turf synth horse. And now it, it, it ships from Gulfstream, which is kind of a, a very different place to run than anywhere else in the country to the synth at Woodbine. So a, a big form reversal wouldn't surprise me at all on the seven. I don't think it's going to be value, but I wouldn't toss it. I mean, it has some pretty good workouts, even on the dirt, but it might just be a course that doesn't like any kickback, and now they get it on the synth, and, um, and it, could, it could turn around. So if I had to pick a horse in here just for the pod purposes, I would probably go kind of using Emily's um, logic. I would go with the four, the first-time starter, because <laughs> – uh, it hasn't demonstrated to be, uh, you know, run a bad, hasn't ever run a bad race because it hasn't raced yet. And the trainer doesn't do too poorly with first timers. So I would probably go with the four Dally and M just by process of elimination. But if I were playing the pick five, I'd almost have to use everything, which is probably why I won't play the pick five. Well, Dally and M I do think is an include. And I actually have a horse that I kind of like here and it's, it's going to, uh, bear with me because I wrote a lot about the horse. Uh, my pick is the, a long shot, the outside horse, the 12th. This field is pretty bad. This is, uh, I don't know if they get lower, they must get lower uh, level claimers, but it's, oh, yeah. it's exactly the kind of race that you want to, you expect a crazy long shot to win. And the 12th has shown she can run a little. She didn't just break poorly in her debut, which is on the running line. Uh, but she was not only from the rail, but she scraped the gate. And, I, you know, it it looked like she hit the gate. I, I can't verify, but it was an, it was close enough that it it just wasn't a good start. She got discombobulated. At one point, she was 19 lengths back and ended up 13 lengths back just behind the field. If you look at the fractions of the race, she ran a time form adjusted 22.83 second quarter and a final eighth of 11.69. So she closed faster than any other horse, and that is after scraping the gate at the start from the rail. Now, the trainer hasn't won in at least five years, but he has won a few races to lifetime, and the jock has only won one race in the last year. This horse was 48 to 1 in her debut, so people are going to say, hey, she had that trouble, but nobody liked the horse anyway. 
Well, I think she's actually got some ability, and she might have won that race if she hadn't scraped the gate. The dam was six for 41 on the synth, and she won twice at seven furlongs, once on the synth and once on turf. Uh, another reason why this horse showed she could run a little was a 49-1 four, four furlong gate work and another three furlong gate work at 35-2. I pay attention to these works when the, the horse has a troubled trip, you know, like if, if the, the, I always look at, if a horse had trouble in its debut, I look at the workouts before to see if it showed some ability. And to me, those workouts, especially at this level, show some ability. So, so I think she's a must use and I probably even play some doubles with her into the next race. Uh, I, I also think that Fiona Bay has to be used. She hopped at the start, wasn't really settled until the stretch, and she ran well at the end, and she should appreciate the seven furlongs. Uh, she also shows an improved 47-2 gate work since her last race. I would also use Dalian M, uh, who Chris liked. I would use Naughty Mabel because she broke awkwardly and showed a 47 gate before that race. And I guess you have to use coming and, and a very productive race that um, that August 20th race. There's been three next out winners out of that race. Yeah, is that the rocket reload race? I have no idea. I can pull it up. Uh, correct. Yeah, right. So so rocket reload, who's running at, in the last leg of the sequence, uh, three winners came out of that race. So yeah, very, very productive race. So, so I, I would, I would certainly use those five and maybe use all if you're playing the pick five. But of course, if you do that, you got to narrow it down in the other legs and it might be hard to do. Yeah, I think we see this race similarly, but I mean like Fiona Bay, if she breaks well, she probably will win. That's a big if, cause she didn't break well last time. Although she has that good gate work sense. And if you spread out in this race, then you'll be stuck with a seven to five winner. So that's what I don't like about this race um, in terms of the pick five. And the other thing is the seven furlongs uh, uh, will give her the, if she doesn't break well, it'll give her the opportunity to recover. It's another quarter mile to recover. So that's why you, you, it's kind of hard to play the race without including Fiona Bay. All right, we'll move to the seventh race. It's the first stakes race of the sequence. It's the Sing Spiel Stakes, grade three, mile and a quarter on turf, purse of 125000 with three rolls and up. Chris, what did you think here? Well, first of all, Admiralty Pier is supposedly scratching from this race and opting for the Woodbine Mile. So I'm going to assume that the trainer's telling the truth. And the DRF is reporting that accurately, so I'm not going to say anything about him. I think he would have been a player if he had gone in here. Um, and after that, this is one of those turf routes that are wide open and anybody could win. I think you can make it literally, I'm not exaggerating, can make a case for every single horse in this race. I won't do that, uh, probably too much to your relief and others. But um, I'll say the one I'm the most interested in, although I've prayed the morning line may be off, is the four-horse standard deviation. At the morning line, I'm interested. If it gets bet well below that, maybe not. But this horse has always had talent. Um, I think it, the distance is perfect for the horse. 
it's coming off a really poor effort last time. But if you look at its past performances, it's followed up bad efforts with good efforts in the past. And I think this horse is kind of ready to break through as a four-year-old. His first two races weren't bad at all this year. Um, but he hadn't really had a breakthrough race yet this year. And I think this might be it after that bad effort at Monmouth, you know, shipping him out here for this race makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so at eight to one standard deviation looks pretty solid in here to me, but this race is wide open, not a whole lot of pace on. So they'll probably be bunched up and it'll all, it'll be all about the trips, I think, and who gets a, a good clean run down the stretch. Fortunately, there is a long stretch run at Woodbine, so maybe the best horse will win, but I'll be interested in hearing what Emily and Scott have to say about it. Two notes about standard deviation. First, he's 5-2 to two on the Sport of Kings odds page with 272 picks in, so he may be favored. That doesn't mean he's going to be favored, but that's what they're playing as the favorite on Sport of Kings. And also, David Aragona, I heard this, uh, he scratched out of a different race, and I heard it on David Aragona's podcast a couple weeks ago, where he was stymied in that last race at Monmouth. And I watched the replay, and you can only see the replay by looking at the head-on, and he was completely stymied in the stretch. So uh, that's a reason to like the horse. Emily, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll add on that. He was scratched out of the grade three um, Kentucky Turf Cup uh, last week at Kentucky Downs. And yeah, I, I Trip was, Trip and just kind of the pace and the entire race shape played against him in the United Nations. Um, Arclo, who was also off the pace, finished fourth that day and came back to win that very stakes race. So I think there is some upside from that perspective. And as um, Chris mentioned, there, there's that class there that makes him a fit. But again, just kind of based on based on current form, um, would not be too excited about, you know, about him at a short price. And I, I you know, I, I wrote up this race at, at Woodbine because I think it is a really interesting race. Um, I wasn't that excited about um, Admiralty Pier, and um, he's going to create some trouble in the Woodbine Mile for um Cheryl Spite or Spite Cheryl will get there and I'll get it right once I <laughs> um, get to that race um, that he lands in this spot. Um, Skywire, who I just absolutely thought was was a cinch, not a cinch, but a good standout and a massive price to win in the Eclipse, um, and even back that up with a good race in the Seagram, even though he came back a little bit too quick. I'm not excited about him in this spot. I mean, it's a short price. It's a horse that you know has some ability, but he's got to do something new, um, whether it's the turf and go long in here. So just not a scenario where I want to take a short price. Um, Tis a Slam, who has a similar running style and actually upgrades with um, with the scratch. He has he's just got an improvement. It's almost an excuse. Last time out, he was unprepared at the start, broke wide, taken out of his run style. So you can pretty much just draw a line through that race. He'll be able to show more tactical speed today. Um, and then the favorite, who's the stablemate to um, standard deviation. The number nine, Nakamura, I'm just not excited about this horse. He's just kind of an underneath type. He's just never run that kind of race that gets you excited to win a graded stakes race. So I just, I don't find him that exciting at all as the favorite in this spot. Um, so outside of that, I agree on standard deviation. Um, 
And I'm interested in Count again and sort of the case with him. He's stepping up in class, but this is a horse that's always shown some ability. He's improved with each start. It was a better than looked effort when he closed in traffic back on June 20th. He backed that up. It was a blanket finish in the allowance on um, August 29th, the blanket finish with um, Woodbridge and uh, Sir Sahib. So pretty, pretty even in terms of uh, that perspective with those three horses on the line. Um, Gail Cox had another improving type when a stakes race um, last weekend, kind of coming out of that same pattern, just an improving type moving up from um, this type of optional claiming allowance into a, a grade three race. Um, granted it was a Philly, but the same kind of Samsung connections. So, um, you know, I like, I like him in this spot. Um, and again, it's going to be a good price um, in this field. I think it's currently 20 to one on the morning line. Well, I agree with both of you that it's a, it's a, it's a wide open contentious race and I might not be able to play the pick five because of it, but the horse that I'm going to run with here is say the word. He has no stakes wins, but he's kept good company running close to admission office, instilled regard, synchrony, Lukulin. His best race last year was the King Edward at Woodbine, where he was third at 12 to one behind synchrony and Curlin's honor. In his last race, he was taken off the blinkers, which he had run. So if, if you look at the, the, the races before that, he looked terrible. Well, two of those races, he was wearing blinkers for whatever reason. He steadied twice at the beginning of that race and he was looking pretty washy. I, I thought in the replay, he looked a little excessively washy, even though he could have warmed up and like that was normal for him. He started galloping well on the second turn and he won at 50 to one. And that still wasn't his fastest race. And he's two for two at this distance. Uh, this is a mile and a quarter. He's two for two at a mile and three sixteenths, basically the same distance. I think he can run his best race tomorrow and can win it at 10 to one or higher. Now, with the Admiralty Pier out of there, he may have a little harder time because there'll be a little less pace, but he would be my top pick. I, I kind of liked Woodbridge in his last race. He was close to a slow pace, and that gave him a little bit of advantage. So he got the run on count again. Today, there will be more pace, I guess, uh, likely, but I like the way that he was able to attend that pace. And on the numbers I'm looking at, it still wasn't the best race that he's run. His best race was last year and he ran it twice. So, so I think he can be there again. And those would be my top two picks. Although I wouldn't toss any, any of these horses at all. And I think, yeah, I would either go all in this race or maybe just narrow it down to two and play a tight ticket that if you lose, you lose. And that's just uh, at, at a 20 cent minimum, maybe you can do it uh, at an affordable rate. I um, liked count again as well. The horse that Emily pointed out and coming out of that race, Woodbridge uh, of the three, uh, Sir Sahib, Woodbridge, and Count Again. I like. I thought Woodbridge was maybe the, my third choice out of those three. Count Again would be the second, but I kind of liked Sir Sahib as the one out of that race. He had some good races last year. I like the fact he drew the inside in a race where they kind of start on the turn. They got a weird track configuration at Woodbine, and and this race they actually start on the turn. 
So if he can save ground and get a, a decent uh, trip, you know, a clean trip from while saving ground, that can make a big difference because it'll be a really bunched up field. So I would say of the price horses, I like uh, two Sir Sahib, um, but I agree Count Again and, and Woodbridge are definitely out of that same race. If any of those three can improve off of that, it's this is a wide open race. But if I had to pick a winner, I'd probably go with standard deviation. Um, and I hope that the sport of King's odds are somewhat people, especially the early selectors tend to go for connections. Like in this race, Graham motion is probably the biggest name in the, um, uh, in terms of the trainers, there's no Chad Brown runner in here. So I'm hoping that's what they're picking and and at, at post time maybe the odds will be a little higher than they are in sport of kings but i am worried about that price yeah i, I don't think he'll be as low as five to two what about nakamura you two um i, well, I thought that horse would get a little love i i'm i mentioned him in here just in the fact that i just don't i'm not excited about him at a short price he's just he hasn't run a winning race um and not even just from the finishing positions, but just his overall efforts are just a little bit below. He's just pretty common and tends to run more underneath. So that's just not the type of horse that I would want as the favorite. Um, you know, he can hit the board. He's honest enough, you know, just kind of grinds. Obviously, you know, it's fit, can get the distance. Those those questions are checked. It's another grand motion horse. But just as an overall winner, I want to look. I want to look elsewhere for a horse to actually be in that that number one spot. Would he be a surprise? No, but just not the type of horse for me. Yeah, especially as a favorite. He's got the least speed of anybody. He'll be dead last in a race without a lot of pace and a bunched up field from an outside post where starting on the turn, you know, unless they totally drop back and over, you know, he could be caught wide on the first turn, caught wide on the second turn, trying to circle the field or just get into trouble trying to thread his way through all that traffic. Um, you know, to me at a low price in a wide open race, if I was going to toss one, he'd be the first one I toss. Not because I think he's the least likely winner. I just think he's not much more likely if any than many others and he'll be a, a low price. So I'm kind of negative on him. 100%. These are the type of horses that you have to try to beat. If you're well, going to play the pick five, right? You don't, if you, because if you play all in a, a bunch of horses in the prior race and Fiona Bay wins, and then you play a bunch in here and Nakamura wins, you're not going to make any money anyway. So, correct, right. Uh, yeah. You should, I mean, always be looking at it, especially when you have, you know, a, a higher end takeout, looking at, you know, what, what is your, what are you expecting? You know, is it, it's not just to like, oh, I hit the pick five, but you want to be making money. So when you're structuring, you have to be thinking, of that, you know, of that combination, you know, if it does chalk out, is this worth playing? Is it worth, you know, playing those type of combinations? Um, for me, I say no. And I think everybody should be questioning that when they're structuring their tickets. Yeah. If you love somebody at a big price later on, maybe, but to me, then just why be playing the pick five? If you love that horse, play it in the race, play doubles and mm -hmm. pick threes. You know, why would you go back three races and, and spread out and races that could chalk out when you could just focus your wagers on other in other pools if you like a long shot weighed back in the sequence. So 
you know, to me, I seriously doubt I'll be playing this pick five, possibly the pick four. But if I play the pick four, I won't be using a horse like Nakamura for sure. Well, I would say that I'm not going to bet Nakamura. So now he's going to be in the winner's circle. But I am going to play. <laughs> I am going to play the pick five just because I really do like that horse in the first race, the 12th. Um, I'll figure out a way to play it uh, at an affordable rate. Yeah, if you can just single him, yeah, that's one way to do it. Uh, if you really like him, I, I to me, I don't have a strong opinion at like you do, but if you do, and he's a price, and yeah, single him. But I would say maybe not necessarily the pick five. If you do it, single, you know, play him in to win and and the doubles. If you like some horses well, in I, this race, I look. I like his chances a lot, but I, I or her chances, but I wouldn't single because. You know, it's a little bit speculative, but, you know, I could I could narrow it down and not use all in that race, you know, just use a few. I I, I love uh, using a little bit speculative for a, a horse that trainer hasn't won in ages and the jockeys won once um, this year, I think. So I think a little bit speculative is probably um, maybe a little his, kind. His last win could have come in the 70s. <laughs> but that's okay because I, I i like the 70s yeah and, and well you're great it's, it's i love the 70s and you're gonna you will get a great price so i'm not talking you out of playing him but he's definitely speculative right um so but i we love those right we love those on the podcast because sometimes they come in and like you said that's the sort of race when a horse like that will win is that that sixth race Let's try the eighth race at Woodbine. It's an optional claimer, six furlongs on the synthetic, of course. Purse of 60,300, that extra 300 bonus. Phillies and mares, three-year-olds and up. Emily, another nutty race, another wide open race. What did you think here? Yeah, I mean, I think if you start just by assessing the, the favorite, um, morning line favorite, number four, Trading Bay, um, I think she's vulnerable in this spot. Um, I, I don't think she holds any edge over this field in terms of, you know, class, speed, any any advantage. So taking her at a short price, um, I just, you know, I don't see it. I think it's another another spot you have to kind of take her on. Um, Silver Dahlia, I'm not I'm not against her second choice at the three to one morning line. Um, I, I thought she was really sneaky last time out. I kind of liked her. I think we were doing a Woodbine live night. Um, making her second start off the layoff was coming off a trouble trip where she was extra wide back on August 8th. Um, she has numbers on the synthetic that fit um, and has some tactical speed. So I, I think she's, she's more logical than, than trading Bay. Um, but also, I mean, there's, there's some others in here that could be on the improve. Um, number three, Sterling speed. I would definitely use this horse had had some issues last time out at the start um, and then some traffic, not the most ideal handling. So a rider change certainly makes sense in this spot. And she has back races that, that fit with this field a little bit shorter in the class relief that helps as well. Um, the number one old secrets, um, improving lightly raced i guess just the trouble with her is that she just doesn't get out of the gate well and she she draws the rail here so so getting a trip um with a horse that that tends to break slow is a little bit problematic but i wouldn't totally toss her um and i also give a look to um 
Number six, Dakota. Um, uh, figures are a little bit on the slower side, but just keeping in mind, most of those are juvenile races. Um, she made her return this year. It was a 203-day layoff, maybe something not totally right, because typically those horses tend to run back in a shorter period of time, and she's had 77 days since that start. So again, if you're just kind of projecting some improvement off her two-year-old figures and has some tactical speed, um, could make some noise in this spot. Live, live rider and Justin Stein aboard. Dakota, definitely uh, her best number was at seven furlongs. So I like her at six with a lot of horses that uh, seem to only be effective at 5.5 or less. Chris, what did you think? Well, I, I like, this is the first race we've talked about. I really think it's a good betting race. Um, I think the favorites are very vulnerable. The two horse, Mrs. Dell, four trading bay. I don't like those too much at all. Uh, Silver Dahlia, I have a little more respect for, but again, the horse isn't really any reason to think she's any more likely to win than several others. Two of the horses that Emily mentioned, I do like Old Secrets, I think might be the best horse in the race, but those slow starts and drawing the rail is a concern. Has had a good recent workout, does get Lasix in here. So there's positives, you know, of course, a lot of upside. Um, so I definitely use that horse, but uh, the gate antics bother me. Dakota, for all the reasons that Emily mentioned, I think is very live. But probably the horse I like the most in here is the nine horse, Let's Have Fun. Um, this horse, if you look at its form, you know, it it's just better on scent than turf. I think you could make that argument that it's just a better horse on scent than turf. And also they put blinkers on it when they moved it to the turf this year. And its last three races were on turf with blinkers and now they take the blinkers off and they finally get back on scent. And this horse had pretty good two-year-old numbers as good as like Dakota. And its first two races back as a three-year-old were good on the synth and then they they did this thing with blinkers on on the turf so i really like that switch in surface and equipment and i think this horse could be sitting on a big race and it could get totally overlooked in here and scored a big price so this is a race where i think you can beat the favorites and there's some very live price horses so i think it's a really good betting race but for the pod pick um, you know, I think several are live, but I, I would go with the nine. Let's have fun. Chris, I agree with you on the on the nine in terms of those changes and kind of getting back to a, a more reasonable spot here. Um, and the reason I, I didn't mention her, though, I, I give her respect in this spot is just in terms of a trip. Right. Because. It seems that she she wants to be forwardly placed and she's drawn outside here with a lot of speed to her inside. So it's just a scenario of like what kind of trip is she going to get this afternoon um, and some ground loss in the process. And that's just kind of where, you know, where if I had to make some decisions. But um, again, you know, should be a fair price, 12 to one on the morning line. And I don't I don't disagree with anybody, you know, taking a shot here. That was just my one kind of. Um, you know, doing sort of a, a race design, going a little bit deeper of, of what kind of trip is she going to need in order to get this win. Yeah, that's a valid concern. Although I like the blinkers off tells me maybe the strategy is to try to get this horse to stock. So that outside post may enable the rider to settle, you know, move over and settle in behind the speed. Cause I think there is plenty of speed and 
you know, it could fall into a really nice sock, stocking trip, like in the two path behind the speed. That's what I'd hope for. But you're right. I mean, if they if they just go and they get caught up, caught four wide in a hot pace, the, the horse has no chance. So that's valid. But, you know, that's if you're getting 10 or 15 to one, I'm willing to take a shot with a horse like that. Well, I'm going to I'm going to jump on the bandwagon with you on Let's Have Fun. It's not in the past performance, but Let's Have Fun did bump into a rival in the last race. So I don't know if that had an effect. It wasn't a serious bump, but it could have had an effect. And it was also on turf where she is 0 for 4 and hasn't been in the exacta. And uh, I will reiterate that her last three races have been on turf with blinkers, and now she's on synth where she's 3 for 6 in the exacta. Her best race as a 2-year-old was at 6.5 on synth. And I think this is a race where horses, uh, a lot of the horses have run at 5.5 or 5. So, so that could make the difference. And it was also that big race at, she was 12 to one when she got second. That was a turf synthetic move, which she is doing today. The trainer shows a lifetime 691 turf to synth ROI and 719 with this jock. So, so that's absolutely my top pick. I also like Sterling Speed quite a bit. Was bumped lightly after the start and last. Ran on gamely in and among horses. Closed fine and went up to the leaders on the gallop out. Now cuts back to six furlongs. Trainer Jock hit at 375 ROI. And both of the trainers, this is, this is really, I, I had a little bit more time than usual, so I can't believe I looked this up. But both of the trainers double-digit wins at six furlongs in the past five years came on the seven furlong to six furlong move. And I would say I have no qualms with Silver Dahlia, who was pinballed after the start and last, closed fine, and now gets back to synth where she won last year at six and a half furlongs. And Ruben Hernandez stays, and he's uh, perhaps the hottest jock up there right now. So I, I would stick with those three, I think. And maybe a little Dakota. We'll see how deep I can go. Anything else, Emily? No, no, I think that's I think that's good coverage in there. Well then let's move to the ninth race. It's the Rico Woodbine Mile, a grade one mile on the turf, purse of one million dollars for three rolls and up. And Chris, why don't you get us started? Well, it's an interesting race. I I think this is another one that's pretty wide open. I don't know if you can make a case for every horse, but you can make a case for quite a few. Um, to me, the most interesting horse in here is is the Cheryl Spite that Emily hinted at. Um, I don't think she likes him in this spot, but you know the horse has is bred to be a good horse by Spitestown out of a, a really nice mare. Um, He's trains like a good horse. He's looked like a good horse in his first few races. His connections think he's, you know, the next coming of Secretariat. They wanted to run him at a mile and a quarter on the dirt off of those two races that he's he's had. That didn't pan out, so they opted for this Grade One against older horses going a mile on the turf, which I think actually probably is the best distance and surface for this horse long term anyway. So. I kind of like them taking a shot in here. Horse has a lot of upside. I don't know what to expect. Uh, could get bet 
if it gets bet, it's not interesting at all, but it might get overlooked with horses like War of Will and March to the Arch and Starship Jubilee and a Chad Brown runner and value proposition. So there's a lot of options for people to play. So maybe the horse gets overlooked and um, it could be any anything this horse could be. It's hard to say what their, their tactics will be. Probably go to the lead. Um, I think War of Will will stock and Admiralty Pier probably goes to the lead too. So those two could duel each other into submission. Um, but if one of them decides to let the other one go, they're both really dangerous. And of the two, I probably prefer Cheryl Spike because I think they're more likely to go with that one. But, you know, they it, it's just all about what the rider intent is and how the race shapes up. But I'm always interested in speed horses in here and this kind of race and horses with upside. And Cheryl Spike's got both. Uh, big question marks, obviously. But this is a time of year where the three-year-olds can start matching up with the older horses and this isn't like a there's no real standout older horse in here the favorites are pretty good but they're not great so i'll probably go with cheryl spite as my um pod pick and possibly a bet if i get the eight to one or higher on at post time i i, I think this horse will take a lot of attention and i think that the had um Admiralty Pier had run in the other spot. I think that would have given him a better opportunity. But I think that that this horse, for all the reasons that you mentioned, there's just been so much hype since his debut of being this like second coming horse. Um, and people listen to that, and I just you see a lot of those type of horses just become underlays. And and some of it is valid. I mean, he's been very good in both of his races, and he's been forwardly placed. I can't see the tactics changing under Kimura. That would just be a massive mistake. They've got to go to the front and use you know kind of use his ability um, from that perspective. Um, so I, you know, I don't think he's impossible. I don't dislike him in this spot, but I think there's going to be um, underlay potentials just kind of based based on the hype and that this is, you know, this is a test for him, but agree, this is definitely a better spot than had they have run the Derby. Um, I'm a little bit unexciting in here because I, I think War of Will is just kind of strongly the horse to beat. I know it's not, you know, a, a sexy pick in here, but he's just, he's the class of the field. Um, he's been running against much tougher. He's already a grade one winner. He has tactical speed. Um, you know, all those things fit. I think, you know, I, and I even think there's going to be some value in there because people look at his record and be like, oh, he doesn't like Woodbine. You know, he has those those losses over this course. But um, th both those races were in his first two starts. And in both of those races at that time, he was being used sort of as a front runner. Um, he was pressed in his debut and then um, kind of similar on the pace. Um, in a second start while still a maiden in the grade one summer. And, and since that race, they've been able, he's been able to mature and they've kind of found that he's more of a, uh, of a stalker type that he likes having a target in front of him. And that's where he's had the most success. And he just kind of looks like from the outside with the way this race shape is, um, the speed drawn to his inside with the two, the three we mentioned, um, and then, of course, the six that they're running here um, should just be sitting kind of right off that pair and just to kind of get a perfect trip. I mean, yeah, maybe even a stable made Olympic runner stretching out a horse that I think has has some quality, but this is sort of a, a tough spot. Maybe he shows a little bit of speed. There's just kind of, you know, going through this field, it's hard to really get excited. If I'm going to beat a favorite, I really want to tear the favorite apart. You know, look for every every way that this horse, you know, can be beat and just really like 
pick apart. He just kind of seems like when I do that, he still looks solid. Not to say that, you know, he can't lose it's horse racing. Anything can happen, but I do think that the race kind of goes through him. And this is just sort of his race. Um, this afternoon, they're going to have to try to beat him. Well, war of will does look pretty tough, but I, I am going to assume that there's a speed there's there's a lot of speed in this race with Admiral C. Pierre, War of Will, and Cheryl Spite. So I want a closer. And there's two closers I'm going to use. The the top pick is March to the Arch. He's two for two on this course and was really impressive in his last. It was a perfect trip on the inside, but he galloped out like ten legs ahead. I mean, he just he just looks like he's a new horse up there in Canada. The trainer, Cassie, is vociferous about the fact that Hernandez committed to War of Will before even riding this horse. And notes that it means absolutely nothing that he did not choose this horse over War of Will. So he's also, he's actually the fastest horse on turf. He's run faster on turf than any of these others. War of Will, he looks good, but he's going to be three wide from the outside. He's carrying a little extra weight. I don't know if he's better on turf. I think he might be better on dirt. Uh, he's clearly a talented animal. Uh, the other horse that I would use, and I would probably only go too deep in this race just to keep my pick five affordable, is value proposition. Now, I know it's a Chad and they always get bet, but there's a lot of horses to bet in this race, and value proposition is going to be four to one or higher, I think. He ran huge in his four-year-old debut. He was seriously ranked and had to be strangled back. He won handily against some solid competition, including cross-border. Then he got a little wobbly in a race right after that where he steadied a bit in the stretch, and that was against some some quality horses. So it's been a while. I, I think Chad had to be pointing for this race all along. I didn't find any scuttlebutt on value proposition, any interviews with him saying, yeah, like we're zeroed in on this race, but – um, I'll, I'll note he was scratched out of an allowance race um, on August 27th at Saratoga um, when the race got taken off the turf. It was a nine for a long race. Okay. Um, so, you know, he's he ran a good number, and I just I think he may be overlooked a little bit because he's never done anything in a stakes race. So, so I'll stick with those two, and um, that's all I have to say on the race. Um, yeah, I'll add I mean, something just on on March to the Arch because I, I I think he's a good horse and I um he's he's in great form as you mentioned um but last time out in the King Edward you know in addition to having a really favorable trip going into that race he just looked so much the best on paper and I think you have to keep that in mind with those horses like even though that he won you know he won he looked good doing it it was sort of that type of setup for him to do that. And, and, you know, the grade two to grade one, and I mean, some people can argue um, this isn't the strongest, you know, grade one race. And part of that has to do with, you know, typically we get horses shipping in from overseas, but that's not an option this year. So, you know, he probably fits a little bit more on class, but anytime he's run in a grade one race, he's been really exposed. And, and so, you know, I, I put some stock into that, even though I think this is probably a softer grade one than some of the grade ones he'd run in in the past. Yeah, and look, I, I loved Admiral T. Pierre in that last race, and he couldn't get it done, and he had a perfect trip. So, 
Um, when March of the Arts spoiled it, 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 it continued a long tradition of March of the Arts messing me up, whether I bet him, whether I bet him or bet against him, it's always the opposite. So, so you can toss March of the Arch because he's my top pick. <laughs> I, I wouldn't toss him. I mean, I think it, it, this is a pretty evenly matched field. I don't think there's a standout, and I don't think it's a grade one field, which is sort of why I'll go with the horse with upside that might actually be a genuine grade one horse um, in the making. Maybe this is too soon. Maybe the race doesn't uh, pan out in terms of race shape for it, but you know, I, I'll go with Cheryl Spite. I'm looking at the um, Sport of King odds, and basically all the horses we've talked about are four to one. March of the Arch, four to one. Cheryl Spite, four to one. Um, value Proposition, four to one. War of Will, seven to two. And Starship Jubilee, three to one. So, um, so, if, that, so if that were the case, does your picks, do your picks change at all? You mean, who, how would I bet the race, you mean? No, I mean, just like if that was like the live tote board, right? Is that like, you know, fair, fair odds on March to the Arch and Gerald Spite? For me, um, yes. For me, yes. March to the Arch at four to one would be great. I, I would say they're all about the same. So I, I think actually the Sport of Kings odds people, uh, the, the selectors have got it about right. I'd say the play in that, in that, scenario would be Admiralty Pier at 14 to 1. So if I got 14 to 1 on Admiralty Pier, I'd take it. Um, no, maybe they will. I think you will. Maybe they'll uh, they'll decide to try to rate a little bit off Cheryl Spite. And I mean, the horse isn't bad. I mean, he hasn't quite got the job done in his last few, but he's he's got he's kind of gritty at times. And, and who knows? He just might do it. So at that price, I'd go with Admiralty Pier. But all the Sport of Kings odds don't always match the post time odds, especially these early odds. So um, I'll still stick with Cheryl Spite as my um, pod pick for now. All right. We have one more race to conclude the pick five. It is the 10th at Woodbine. It's the Woodbine Cares Stakes. Five furlongs on the inner turf. Purse of one hundred and thirty-five thousand for two-year-old fillies. Emily, where did you land here? Um, well, I'm I'm against illegal smile in here. Um, I think you know distance-wise, I think this is probably a, a better spot for her, just going a little bit shorter. But still a maiden, um, just kind of really kind of lacked finish. You know, we're going to have to see it. There's going to be other speed in this field. You know, they're going to have to use from the outside. Um, so, you know, in terms of her being the favorite, we'll see if that's the case, but if so, um, creates opportunities. Super Munnings hasn't done anything wrong and been able to kind of alter her running style. Showed, showed a lot of grit last time out on the front end when challenged late and then came from off the pace in debut. I don't see any issue with the switch. The turf should be fine. I'm also interested in um, Chalette, which is the number four. Um, I thought the race at Colonial was kind of sneaky good. Um, as a best of the speed there, you know, was 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 drawn inside to sort of hand force. But I think she has some natural early speed. Um, the winner of the race was able able to stop come from off the pace so I think it was kind of a, a sneaky good effort to kind of hold with that pressure and then the form out of the race the horses that have come out of that race um 
have run well, not necessarily next out winners, but have been in some tough spots and holding their own. So I just think the form kind of stacks up and just as kind of a, a wild card in this spot, I would um, consider using her. All right, Chris, what did you think here? Well, this is the other race in the sequence that I really like because as Emily noted, to me, Illegal Smile's a really, really weak favorite. Wesley Ward horses, they come out firing and by their third start, you know what you have. They're not going to improve. And this horse's three races aren't really good enough to, aren't any better than anything else in this field. And the other horses have already run as, as fast and are more likely to improve. So I think she, Illegal Smile, the seven horse, definitely the play against in here. Super Munnings, I agree, isn't there's nothing really wrong with that horse, but again, not really any faster or more likely to improve than several others in here, and that will be the, the strong second favorite. So I'd be willing to take a shot against that horse, not, not as confident, but those, to me, the favorites are very vulnerable. And... The horses I like, um, probably the one I like the best is the one that Emily mentioned, Chatelet, who, for all the reasons she mentioned, but also her trainer, Arnaud Delacour, is awesome with second-time starters, two-year-olds, and his horses always improve second start. So this horse, I, I would argue the debut effort was as good as anything the favorites have run, and now it's much more likely to improve. So And it does have the tactical speed you want to see at five furlongs so you know that's really good value there um the other horse there's two other horses i like i i will i won't want to talk through the whole race so i'll let scott weigh in but there's not many left to pick from but there's two others i think are very solid in here as well but chatelet would be the most likely winner of the race i think and at worst probably the third or fourth betting choice that that's value well, I have three horses that you did not mention. So I'll start with Forest Drift. Got out of the gate quick, was super game to hold off the closers. I want the speed of the speed here, and she looks like the speed of the speed. Now, it's a crazy race, so I don't know what will happen. Uh, I don't know who's going to get the lead. Whoever gets the lead may just win it, or it, there may be a pace meltdown. But I like... This horse, I like the I like the way the race, the way she ran in her last race. The trainer has hit six of nineteen after winning with a maiden in the last five years, and the dam was a running fool speedster. She was four for seven overall, one for one on the turf at seven furlongs. So she's my top pick, and she's eight to one. I don't think she'll be that high, but uh, I'll take four or five to one on her for sure. The other horse that I'm very interested in is Dirty Dangle. She was about as fast as Forrest Drift in her debut, has worked out exceptionally since that race, including a, a 46, I think it's a 46 flat work on turf, is the only horse here who has been passed and then re-rallied. And if there is a hot pace and she's not on it, because I don't think she, she, she didn't do it in her debut, so why, should, why would she do it here? Um, she might benefit from a hot pace. The trainer and jock hit 36% lifetime. And the trainer is a 246 ROI synth to turf. And he's also two for six with debut winners who've, uh, winners, run, runners in their second start who won their debut. One other horse that I got to mention because I, I, I kind of like them all equally, and that's Rocket Reload. 
It was super game. And as Emily mentioned before, it was a very productive race. Three of the horses that he she beat came back to win. She was geared down and galloped out far ahead of the others in, the, in her last race. Uh, her workouts have been fantastic. Her first race, she she didn't run very well, but then she came back and ran a very fast workout, won her last race, and another fast workout since then. So, so I I would go three deep in that race. Maybe I'll try to use Chatelet, but um, I, I'm a little worried about that one getting caught up in the speed duel as well. But she she did try to wire in her last race. She just looks, I mean, you know, again, I mean, we're projecting, it's hard to project the pace with horses that are lightly raced and still kind of developing their running style, but kind of based on optics plot, she kind of has the the quickest speed to the first call three, not far behind her. And then the seven kind of sitting kind of right off that pair. So, um, you know, if she shows kind of the same early speed as she did in her debut, she definitely could take that advantage but also being a second start who knows what they've done you know in the 40 days since that debut um should note also she was scratched out of a um a maiden special rate race at monmouth on september 4th um those races were taken off the turf that day so um a little bit of ambitious placing maybe some some confidence on that front um from what you mentioned just kind of improving second second time starters yeah and i would just say five furlongs on the turf they don't melt down very often, and especially two-year-olds, it's a big advantage to be on the lead, even if they're going fast, because they're all going to be going fast, and mm-hmm. they're all going to be tired, and I'd rather be on the lead than trying to close um, at five furlongs on turf, and the inner turf, I think Emily would know better than I do, but usually those inner turf courses are even more speed favoring than uh, the outer courses, so I yeah, wouldn't we've be... Gone, we've gone through weeks where the five furlong turf sprints if you were inside speed the race was over like right from the start so we've had you know kind of a suspension of the inner turf course doing some maintenance over it they just brought it back last week so kind of a a small sample sense but i but i 100 agree with that with that analysis in terms of having speed in these in these sprints is um is definitely an advantage yeah i would not definitely not consider that a negative put it that way i mean uh, Chatelet and Forest Drift are probably the two quickest, and there's a good chance they might run one, two all the way around. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, they're definitely two you want to use. And then you mentioned Dirty Dangle. I, I like that horse too. I mean, it beat Super Munnings in their debut, and that, that was its only start. So it, you'd think it could improve off that. And so, you know, if it's 10 to 1, and they were, they were a photo for the win, for what it's worth. Yeah, but I mean, one's 10 to 1 morning line, the other's 2 to 1 morning line. And, you you know, so to me, that's a pretty easy decision on who you'd want to play between those two. Um, Definitely not much separating them. If anything, Dirty Dangle, uh, you know, Super Money's has run since then. Dirty Dangle hasn't run and has been working well. So to me, that's a must use for a horse that will be probably sitting off the pace. But you know, I, I like Chatelet quite a bit in here, given the connections and and the speed. But uh, Forest Drift, I think, is dangerous as well. The thing I really, in my biggest opinion here, is Illegal Smile is a really bad favorite. And it, if it does go off at 8 to 5, and it, it, since it's a Wesley Ward horse, it might. You know, I think playing against that horse is, is the really good 
um, opportunity in this race. Well, for that reason alone, you may want to try the pick five. Any other well, thoughts no. on? <laughs> well, I would say no, Matt. I may want to bet this race and maybe bet some doubles into it and stuff. But yeah, that's not good enough for the pick five for me. Agree. Doubles are what some of the best bets at Woodbine. Eleven point seven percent takeout. Great takeout. That's one of the best bets in racing is the double yeah. at Woodbine. Where do you get that eleven? Because uh, I know it's, I mean, according to the HANA website, which I don't know how, if they're still updating it, but they have that as a 15% takeout. Just uh, straight, where... straight, from, straight from the website. The uh, HANA website, it's, it's not been maintained for a while. So it's it's a little stale. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they still have Suffolk as the third best track to bet. Yeah, I think they stopped doing that a year or two ago. Unfortunately. All right. Any other plays on the day? Spot plays from the two of you. Oh, you want more than you want more than five <laughs> out of us? Hey, I didn't look at any other races, so I don't. I got nothing. But you know, every once in a while, we have I feel I feel this is, this is plenty plenty of content um, to work with. Yeah, yeah. I look. I I wouldn't expect any more, but sometimes Chris has a, a a spot play. Yeah, I did not get a chance to look at anything else, um, so I don't really have anything other than the what we've talked about. Okay, actually, I'll take that back. But not on this card. But if we want to talk Sunday, I have looked at the Summer Stakes and then Atalma. If if you're interested in looking at those. Well, if you have a play that you really like then definitely share it. If you're not sure, then um, it's no reason to talk about it. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, never sure. But um, yeah, in the in the summer stakes, um, I, I like Golder Grand. Um, he's making a second start as kind of the, the other Cassie in here. I think Gretzky, the great, probably going to be the, fav the favorite in this race, maybe ready to repeat. But I think both those two hook up. Um, I like the upside from Dolder Grand, just kind of making a second start. I thought the debut was was sneaky good and has moved forward. Should appreciate the added ground. Um, in terms of the Nizhalma, number five Alda, she's kind of the horse to beat. Um, coming off the, the catch a glimpse win, but I, I don't think she's a she's a cinch in here. I kind of think that that distance. Um, last time out was ideal for her, and she's going to have to go a mile here. So that might open some things up. Number two, Seasons, um, looks to have some upside off her debut. She had some things go her way, but she also had some things not go her way and was a little bit green. So I think the experience um, is going to benefit her. The one-turn mile looks right, just kind of based on her size and scope. And then, you know, Lady Spitespear, she has uh, – that's kind of a mouthful. Um, she has legit early speed and, if uh, you know, could just be dangerous on the front end if she shakes loose. So I wrote up both those races at, at woodbine.com, but um, they'll be the kind of feature races on Sunday for uh, the juveniles. Okay. Well, I know the summer stakes will be on Sporta Kings, so that is relevant. I'd like to thank our guest, Emily Gullickson. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule, Emily, to handicap with us. Sure. Thank you. I'll get back to uh, Indiana Grand for Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's a lot of work. That's a lot of handicapping, uh, especially in that part of the country. Um, look forward to seeing your picks. All right, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. All right, that will conclude show number eighty-three of the Sport of Kings Pod. May you cash well and often on Woodbine Mile Day, and please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout.
I'll see you on Spirit Cheers. Yeah.